0: We're going to talk about perfect peace. And I hope you can be able to read the uh, PowerPoint. I had to change it up this morning. I came up here last night and looked at it on the projector, and the font was a little bit too small. So I, I tried to make it bigger. I don't know if I succeeded in that or not. But we're going to start out in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Now, the word perfect actually isn't in the Hebrew context, so that really reads peace, peace. So it's kind of a, a double peace to show its certainty. It's always been there. It's always going to be there for Christians. And the word peace is mentioned about 400 separate times throughout the Bible. The Hebrew word for peace in the Old Testament is shalom. Shalom is taken from the root, the root word shalom, which means to be safe in mind, body, or a state. Though it speaks of a completeness, fullness, or a wholeness. Now the Greek word for peace in the New Testament is arene. Arene, meaning of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, just like in the Old Testament, the New Testament peace can only be brought on by God. So now that I've given... A short history uh, on peace. Um, I like to, I try to be like Garland, but I'm not quite as good as Garland is on on giving that information, but uh, I (laughs) tried. But now we've got through that, what is peace to you? What do you consider peace? Is it coming home from work, having a, you know, 30 minutes, maybe a couple hours to yourself? I know sometimes it can be peaceful in my house when there's nobody else there but me. Um, and I'm sure my wife feels the same way. So, but do you, maybe is it being outside? Uh, maybe is it gardening? You know, whatever it is that brings you peace. You know, what, what is it? A couple of, I say a couple, I guess it's been, what, six, seven months now. Back at the end of August, beginning of September, I went on uh, elk hunt to Idaho. I've never been on elk hunt i've never gone hunting anywhere really other than here in texas so that was quite an experience for me um while we were there we didn't i went with dr king the chiropractor here in town Uh, while we were there we, we saw a lot of beautiful country we didn't have the chance to get anything on the ground but like i said we saw some beautiful country and while we were there we got to hike up to this this lake it was called merriam lake you can see behind my ugly face that there's a a lake back there Uh, it's very quiet and peaceful very calm and that was to me just a peaceful place being there in Idaho in the mountains was very peaceful to me to be honest with you and then here again if you can get past my leg you can see the water Uh, it's calm when the wind isn't blowing you can see some ripples in it but there's no water really flowing um, you know, just a current really going. There's water from the, gla- the, from the ice you can see on the other side, and then it goes down to a stream. But again, it was peaceful. And this was taken basically to show my wife that I could put my feet in cold water. She knows that I do not like cold water. But you can see how clear that is. Um, it was just so calm that day. But something else that brings me peace, it may not to other people, I like campfires. I like the aroma of it. Just sitting by a campfire and hearing it, it's just peaceful to me. It brings me peace. Another day that we were out hiking, or actually we were out hunting, which really ended up just being hiking, um, our camp is actually on the other side of this mountain. And this particular day, Michael and I hiked back six miles into the, the uh, backcountry, and it was obviously six miles back. It was quite the trip that day. But we got up on this, this spot here that was real bare because we thought it would give us a good spot to look and see everything. But it was just another peaceful place. And then this spot right here was another spot. We sat down, we took a little break, had a little snack, rested a little bit before we went on our, our way. But that sun coming down and shining on that meadow right there, Brought me peace. It made me think of God and, and His beautiful His beautiful work and what He can do. Um, and again, it was just it was peaceful to me. And I imagine there's plenty of things that that make people feel peaceful, make them have feel peace in their lives. Um, but we all know that there's only one peace that passes understand all understanding, and that's the peace of God. You know the reason for that because it's perfect peace. You know, as beautiful as this place was for me, and as much peace as I felt there, it was only a temporary peace. It's not something that I still feel peace from today. I mean, I can look at the pictures and think of how I felt in that moment, but I don't continually have peace every day because of my trip to Idaho. So what is perfect peace? Can we define it? I think the best explanation or definition that I found for perfect peace is a condition of freedom from disturbance within the soul. It's perfect harmony reigning within. And as I said earlier, the Hebrew word uh, is for peace is shalom. Shalom. It has in the it has in it the idea of soundness of health. So to be filled with perfect peace is to be spiritually healthy and free from all discord within the soul. So there can be no room for jealousy or envy or discontent, uncontrolled temper, selfishness, pride or, or intolerance in the soul, which is filled with peace because all these things are disturbing factors in the heart. All these things can distract us from having perfect peace in our lives. The peace which God offers us is none other than the great calm which he commands in Mark chapter 4, verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. So God calls the peace which he gives perfect peace. So how is it perfect? I mean, the simple answer to that is because I come from God. I mean, enough said, right? We could just wrap it up and go home. But what I want to talk about or look at just a little bit is um, a few things that, a few types of peace that people think are peace, they're mistaken for peace, but they're really not peace. So the first peace I want to talk about is the peace of ignorance, and this type of peace is when we imagine that everything's going well and everything's fine and if we were to open, really open our eyes, we would see that things aren't going well. They're really not going well as far as the Lord is concerned. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. You know, someone that has this type of peace is someone that ignores the truth. (laughs) They try to patch up their lives. They try to to cover up their sins because they're too ignorant to face the truth. Yet somehow they think that it's peace when it's really not. Uh, there's also a piece of, of stagnation. It's just like a, uh, a stagnant pool of water where no water flows in, no water flows out. There's little to no sun or light, period. The water looks calm and peaceful, but underneath it's foul and green with slime. You know, a lot of people live in this kind of peace. You know, on the surface, everything looks good. They they do the right things. They say the right things. But the truth is, they're stagnant. They don't walk in the light as he is in the light. The sun is not working in their lives anymore. You know, they maybe they come to church and think they're, they're doing the right things, but they don't share their faith. They don't, come off to some people as a Christian. They're stagnant. They haven't done anything with their faith. And a stagnant life is a poor depiction of peace. There's also a peace of dependence. And that's a a kind of peace where someone is dependent on something or someone. And probably a lot of times that ends up being dependent on money or dependent on a loved one. But what happens when that money's gone? When the money runs out, what happens whenever that person, that loved one, passes away? Where's their peace at? They're not going to have peace because they've put their peace in the wrong, the wrong direction, the wrong thing. And just like the other two, there is no peace in dependence. Because that's not a perfect peace. But the only perfect peace comes from God. So why is God's peace perfect? Well, like we said, well, like I said a while ago, it's perfect because it comes from him. It's not man-made and it's not dependent on man. It's perfect because it's sufficient and meets our needs exactly. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the peace of God passes all understanding. So, Whatever we may think that we know about peace, God's peace passes over that. It's greater than what we think. It's greater than, than what we could know, possi- or possibly know. Um, we, his pass, his peace passes all understanding and will keep our hearts and minds. And that's the kind of peace we need. We need a peace which keeps a stronghold on our mind and it, it calms our heart. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So not only do we have the peace of God, but we have peace with God through Jesus. And how could you get any better peace than that? You can't. And how does this perfect peace come to us? I've listed several things. Uh, obviously, the first thing is by Christ. And we're going to look at uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 again. I think I've used this about three times in this lesson. Uh, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice that Jesus Christ is the vessel through whom the peace of God flows into our souls. This peace within us is a possession of the Christian alone. There is no peace for anyone who does not possess Christ and who is not resting on the finished work of Christ for salvation. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. A perfect peace also comes to us by his word. Let's look at the great promise which is made in Psalms chapter 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And we all know that, th- that things and people uh, can often disturb us, or even make us stumble in some way. But right here is a promise of perfect peace to those who love, meditate in, and obey the word of God. We also get this perfect peace by obedience. Uh, Leviticus chapter 26, verse 3 through 6. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season, and the land shall yield her increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and your threshing shall reach unto the vintage, and the vintage shall reach unto the sowing time, and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. And I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid and I will rid evil beasts out of the land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. Notice the most important word here at the very beginning, if. God guarantees that if we walk in his statute and keep his commandments, he will keep our hearts in perfect peace if we will do our part and we know undoubtedly that God will do his part. God doesn't break promises. And next, we get this perfect peace. that comes to us through plenty of praise and prayer. And again, or, uh, there in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, that promise there is preceded by the conditions mentioned in verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. So we need to continue to pray about everything, give thanks for everything and praise him. And next, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus secured peace for us upon the cross of Calvary, and that peace is offered to us through him, but it's conveyed to our hearts and minds by the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. See, as the Holy Spirit fills and floods our lives, he produces this wonderful fruit within us. He produces the love, joy, peace, and all those things listed there. Something that I don't have on PowerPoint. Uh, We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to the strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. So again, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is what really brings us that peace. And through these other things that I listed before that, that's how, you know, reading his word, being in his word, being in prayer, that's how we receive that Holy Spirit. And that's kind of what, that's what's going to give us that peace. You know, Brandon, Brandon, what, two weeks ago talked about the Spirit. A uh, very good lesson. I enjoyed it very much. Well, we're going to go back and we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep in him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So there are two conditions that are mentioned there in order for us to have perfect peace. So who is it that God will keep in perfect peace? It's the one whose mind is stayed on thee and trusteth in thee. So both of these conditions signify some type of faith. One deals with the head and one deals with the heart. That's because with our head we believe and with our heart we trust. So, with our our head we believe that God is the author of peace, the giver of peace, and with our heart we trust him and we trust that he will give what he promises. We have to keep our mind on the Lord and trust in him in order to have perfect peace. So, do you want to keep your mind on the Lord? Be in Christ. Search his word daily, be obedient to him, praise him, and pray continuously. One more thing, Uh, we're going to look at John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus said this to his disciples before his death and resurrection because he knew they'd need it. He knew that they would be persecuted for being his followers. But I believe that he meant that for all of us followers, for all Christians. I believe that we receive perfect peace, or that perfect peace is the Holy Spirit working within us, It's not an experience. It's not an it feeling. It's not a show or a spectacle to behold. It's the Lord working in us and through us. We don't and we can't receive perfect peace on our own. We have to have God in order to receive perfect peace. And I know I've already said this a couple times, but be in Christ. Search his word daily. Be obedient to him. Praise him and pray continuously. Constantly keep your mind on cross. Trust in him wholeheartedly. And we're able to receive perfect peace when we do these things because whenever we're focused on God, we're able to block out all the negative things of the world. We're able to block those things out and truly abide in him.